Joe, welcome. We appreciate you being a part of Race Industry Week and obviously uh, a company, um, you know, so deeply rooted in motorsports as well, uh, just to have you a part of this. But piston failure analysis is uh, at least the topic of today, and I'm sure there are a lot of things we could chat about. And if you do have a question, you could always type it into the chat and we'll talk about that as well. But Joe, give us a little overview of, uh, of what you had in mind today. Sure. Um, so for those that aren't familiar with Molly Motorsport, the North American division was founded in 2000. Uh, we make our pistons and manufacture our pistons in Morristown, Tennessee. Uh, we work with several of uh, the, the elite professional race teams that are out there, uh, a lot of professional engine builders. And through that course of time, we started developing a shelf stock piston set called Power Pack uh, that that enthusiasts all over the world can purchase and buy for their hot rod or uh, for you know their car that they're racing on the weekends or that they're doing time attack with. So gonna kind of take you through how we take what we learn from those applications that come in potentially that a customer had a problem with, um, but also some applications that we're having success with and how we improve it and get that back into the hands of the customer and taking a lot of the knowledge base that we have with the staff that work here uh, to translate that into ongoing improvement of the product. Yeah, and it's wonderful, um, you know, especially if you can help the people who are using the product and all of that. Let, let me phrase this question in this way, Joe. Um, there are times where you can have a failure and there are times where someone can mm -hmm. fail the part. Um, you know, meaning maybe they've, uh, you know, done a little too much on this end or a little too little on that end. And that's what causes the part to fail. Can you uh, maybe describe the difference between the two and as it relates to what we're talking about? Yeah. And I and actually I have a, a short PowerPoint that we can go through and visually see um, a lot of that, because what typically happens is the piston is, you know, it it's it's your your boxing mitt, right? You know, it's the one taking all the contact. Uh -huh. And when there's a failure, it's the first thing, you know, you take off the cylinder head and you look at that piston and people automatically think, well, the piston failed. And that's where our application engineers and our design engineers come into play, where they will actually get back parts and have to essentially, almost like a crime scene, reconstruct what occurred and what happened to figure out what was the root of this cause, what was the failure that actually did occur, because to... A lot of people, if you're a racer or if you're not entirely familiar with different uh, situations that are out there that can cause uh, problems with the pistons, you may just look at it and go, well, the, these pistons, you know, they're just not up to snuff. It's just not what we need. We need something different. When in a lot of cases, it's actually other factors. It could be detonation. Um, it could be scuffing. Uh, it could be running the engine hot for too long. Uh, things of that matter that we can actually, you know, deconstruct, write a report, get it back to the team, get it back to the engine builder, help them understand better what occurred, and then allow them to make the corrective actions going forward. All right. If, uh, did you want to share your screen uh, with the PowerPoint here, Joe? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. All right. We'll just go into reading view here, you know, and can you see the screen? We can. Thank you. Okay. Um, so this is typically, this is something that I discussed last year uh, during the week. Um, 
And I just wanted to bring it back and kind of as a refresher, you know, this is a small block forward dirt late model, had a catastrophic single piston failure after 35 laps. So this is something that our engineers are going to get, you know, in the mail and they're, you know, this is an extreme case and it's going to be asked what happened to the piston. And you look at this and it just looks like a, a gigantic, you know, jigsaw, jigsaw puzzle, really. I mean, it's just, where do you start? Um, but that's where piece by piece, you start looking at different things that occurred uh, in line with, you know, certain potential things that, um, you know, maybe we have some things that are actually intact here. So if you look on the left-hand side, you have a, a wrist pin clip that's in the form of a C. Um, and over on the right-hand side where you see the chunks of material, you kind of see a square right there. And what was determined was actually is, you know, they found the two pieces of square that were part of the forging. And what had occurred was um, a wrist pin clip uh, was not inserted correctly. And the pin started working its way out. And when it worked its way out, it started flexing back and forth and it knocked off those two pieces that are highlighted in red right there. So that's just one example of here, figure, figure this out essentially. What I have to explain to my customer what happened. Um, and, and I need to understand what occurred. And you know, will from there advise the builder or team or whatever, you know, in an extreme case like this, this is what occurred. That and then secondly, scary. here, this is a small block Chevy Sportsman Circle Track. It had two dyno poles, did 25 to 30 laps on a three-eighths oval. And again, we'll get this you know, what, what went wrong, what occurred here. Um, you know, you can see the two circlips up top. And while it's similar to uh, what we had previously, you know, where you, you saw those circlips there, um, as we dive deeper and deeper into it, we actually received the connecting rod with that, which gives us, gives our engineers more material to work with. Uh, we dive a little bit deeper into it and we see that, okay, we've got, you know, a crack that occurred uh, in the, uh, the connecting rod bolt and basically we've got um, a zone where it's starting to bend and basically uh, the connecting rod bolt was installed uh, not to spec and it worked its way loose and then through forces of nature it broke apart caused the catastrophic failure so typically what we do receive is a lot of the times just uh, the pistons but we had a case last week where we did get sent the connecting rod. It adds to the story of what happened. Uh, it paints the picture to allow people, you know, a greater understanding of maybe what did occur if you did have a connecting rod failure to take everything into account. Mm -hmm. uh, and going into it here, you know, these are typical, simple examples of not necessarily failures, but you're not having, you know, the piston you know, work at optimal levels, right? You've got dirt, debris, contamination that might be in there that can be caused by, you know, if you're working in an off-road type of environment, you know, racing in Baja or, you know, out West where you get a lot of dust and debris that's coming into your air filter, then working its way, you know, into the engine where you would typically, uh, you know, have the potential for something like this happening uh, to, you know, skirt scuffing, overheating, you know, an example of this would be, uh, you know, the guy on the racetrack that he sees, you know, he's got five laps to go left in the race and he sees that he's overheating and he says, you know, I, I think I can make this, you know, I need to make this. And, 
you know, we've all seen that situation. If, if you've been in racing, you know, that, you know, I, I can make it there. I can, I'll be okay. And this is an extreme, you know, instance where they had a lot of scuffing and what it can potentially lead to in the aftermath is the engine's hard to start. You know, it, it has a little bit of noise to it. It's not uh, going to work as well as it did before because the, the piston expanded so much that it started, you know, scuffing into the, the wall, the cylinder. Are, are those distortions like in the ring grooves? Is that what the, or is that just maybe the way the picture looks? From, from uh that that's actual uh distortion in the in the ring grooves so it, it expanded um so much that uh if you look uh right there you know it looks like it's been like pinched mm -hmm. um and yes and then that adds into you know where now you've got basically a ring that isn't floating properly and operating correctly it's stuck in one position and that also adds to performance being below level of what you're actually looking for. Wow. So that it just reminds me all the time of that perfect situation of just, you know, that guy on the racetrack and his, you know, his temperature is sky high, but hey, he wants to get that third place or first place check or he's got a win hanging on. So what's what do you do? And in the extreme cases, you know, this is something that can happen or, or occur. You know, a case like this, you know, insufficient clearance probably an extreme example of this, you know, where uh, you typically will have this where a novice builder uh, or somebody who's, who looks at the numbers incorrectly, uh, they, they, they look at the numbers for the clearance of their cylinder and they're doing it before they're receiving the pistons or they're just not checking the piston to wall clearance correctly and they install them. And this is a, an extreme case of, the clearance is completely incorrect. Um, the piston is rubbing against the cylinder wall and it's causing a potential um, failure to the engine. And uh, again, pretty extreme case. A lot of times what we, we'll see is, you know, cases where you do get some rubbing on the, the piston uh, skirt more than another side or uh, different instances of just not it operating correctly. but just wanted to show something that was pretty extreme here that we we've seen over the years. Now, is that something that would show up on, on like a first dyno pull? I mean, how, how quickly does that start to show the ugly? Yeah, I, I would, I would say yes. Yeah. I would say yes to that. Or um, in a, in a situation where you're building up heat and everything's at optimal temperature and it's not operating correctly. So um, you're dealing with, you know, essentially a lot of times two different types of uh, forging piston material, which is everything that we pretty much sell, uh, you know, minus uh, what we do with diesel, which would be, you know, cast in that arena. But a more majority of what we're looking at here is a 4032 alloy. So 4032 alloy, it doesn't expand as much. 2618 expands more. Uh, and it's more optimal for power adders, uh, you know, things where you're going to throw a lot of boost to it. A lot of, uh, I wouldn't say all the time, higher horsepower applications, but applications where you are going to have the potential for turbos and, and power adders at an extreme level with 2618. And because it expands more, if it gets too hot or if it's in a situation where the clearance is incorrect and it expands too much, then you can incur a situation like this. Okay. And I think that's something that we've really 
tried to educate our customers on is those differences between the two alloys. I mean, they'll call us up and, you know, it's 4032 and it's 2618. And they're now able to acknowledge and have that discussion with us. Uh, whereas before, I think it was a little bit more of a mystery um, and it wasn't as far out there, but it's vitally important when you're making a selection for your application to choose the correct piston. I mean, you don't want to take a 4032 piston. And we have this happen all the time. The guy gets a, a set of pistons from an engine that he purchased secondhand, opens it up, sees the part number that's on there, calls us up and he says, hey, you know, I want to put, you know, 20 pounds of boost to this piston. And we look up the information on it and it's made out of a 4032 material. And the conversation from there is you're you're playing with fire. And we advise you not to do that. Well, why? You know, it's a forged piston, isn't it? You know, yes, it's a forged piston, but the material structure of the piston is different. Okay. And the two arenas that you're in with the 4032 and the 2618, they react differently to those outside forces of, you know, high amounts of nitrous, high amounts of, um, you know, um, you know, turbos, anything like that, that you're throwing at it it's going to react differently. So it's very important to look at a project when you're working on it and check on that. I, I cannot stress that enough to builders, customers that are out there, people that are trying to build their own, you know, engines themselves. Take a second if, if you're in that situation and check and make sure all the materials that you're working with, not just the pistons, but everything that you're looking at, is this going to work correctly for my application? Or am I basically spending a lot of money on something that is going to not work correctly down the road. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing common theme here uh, at Race Industry Week or Race Industry Now, especially when we talk to uh, about engine internals, um, about the, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to add to it? And just how important that is. Yes, it, it's so important. And we've done a lot to, and, and I'll get to this in a second about, you know, educating the racer, but, you know, Here's an example of faulty combustion, pre-ignition, you know, they have the wrong fuel. Um, you know, something like this, it's not initially going to show up. You can't always tell that this is going on. Um, you know, if it's just something that's happening to the surface and abusing to the, the top ring land of the piston. Um, but, you know, we get, you know, it's asked, what have we seen a lot in this past, past year? We often get something like this, detonation. Um, where basically you're you're seeing the the top ring land. It looks like somebody took a torch to it up there, uh, and what's occurring there is the timing is off. It's getting too much fuel. There's fuel that's left over. You might have the wrong spark plugs. Uh, a lot of different factors go into this, and we often get it. And they'll ask, "What is wrong? My engine is not operating correctly. I don't understand." And can you help us? Can you advise? And it's really in the process of having the engine work correctly and then getting them to check everything and understand what occurred here, where, where is it wrong, and then advise them to get back on the correct road of where they need to be. You know, broken ring lands. You know, typically I had another example uh, where, and we run in this a lot, more and more customers, you know, in post-pandemic uh, purchasing are are doing, you know, the engine builds themselves, and they don't understand always how to do um, the ring gaps. Okay, 
or they're they're thinking that they don't even have to gap their rings. They just get them, you know, and put them into the engine. And typically what you can have happen is, you know, if a ring land is making contact and they have the wrong ring gap, well, that creates energy. And that energy has to go somewhere and it's going to find that weak spot if it's doing that. Because, you know, you're, you, if you think about it, you know, in revolutions per minute, how many up and down and all of that's occurring, that energy is building, 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 and it finds that weak spot. And sometimes that weak spot is actually a ring land where it breaks off. So they look down into the engine and they go, this ring land broke. You know, they didn't, they didn't make it correctly. I mean, these pistons are junk. What happened here? We get the call, we get the box and we start looking at things. We have the rings and we've had a couple instances where that has occurred. And it's again, taking the time to make sure that you have everything correct before you do the assembly process, because it's not plug and play. It's application specific. And you have to consider all the different things that you're doing. There's different ring gaps for applications that are naturally aspirated versus something that is going to be uh, with nitrous or a racing application, okay? In which you would have more ring gap in that, in that type of situation. So we send out instructions with every power pack that we sell and every private label, you know, we're working with those builders, but it's vitally important that uh, the builder, whoever it might be, if, if they're not familiar with the product, take a moment, make sure they're doing it correctly because you just don't want to have catastrophic failures, especially from an engine standing, you know, engine building standpoint. You know, in my situation, I was fortunate enough to manage a small engine shop. Um, and the one thing I never wanted to have happen was to have uh, an engine come back through the door, right? You always want to have it leaving. You never, you never want to actually see your customer again. You know, a uh, customer says, hey, I'll see you later. And I would always say, I hope not. You know, and, it, you know, in the sense of, you know, I want to see you out at the racetrack. I want to see you having fun out at, you know, but I don't want to see you here at this office uh, for a long time because that means that, you know, something did not go correctly. Right. Um, and in extreme cases like this right here, you know, melted excessive combustion temp temperatures, something like this right here is your tune's not correct you've had something extreme happen in you know, regards to heat. And all of this that I discussed right here that we've talked about comes to our staff. Our staff looks at all these different instances of what occurred over the years. They build a database of that information. It's all compiled. Uh, I read every single one that our engineers write up and it comes over. And I will tell you before I walked through this door here four years ago, I thought I knew, I thought I knew engines. You know, I thought I I had seen some things, I thought. And when I came here, I realized I just I I don't know anything. I mean, just throw it all out the window because what these guys are doing and what they're looking at is it's just such a strong base of knowledge. And the reason for that is, and I'm gonna show you our staff right here. And in parentheses, these are years that they've worked at Molly Motorsport. Okay, so I've got two pages here. So if we were to look at, you know, Brad has 25 years, Eric has 19, Brandon has 15, George is starting on his second year. On the sales and customer service side, we've got Jason with 20, Dale's 20, and Adam took over. Uh, as our sales and tech, but he brings a wealth of knowledge with him. He's been here 
here for a year and a half. And again, you know, we look at our, our design engineers, all right? They've been here for 18 years with Rodney. Doug, he's been here for 37 years. Brian's new, he's uh, starting a second year. Justin's been with us for nine. I've been with the company for four. And you, But my point is you, you take these individuals with all their knowledge and everything that they're seeing, working with the OEs, working with professional race teams, taking all of this knowledge and then you know we sit here often and it's like well how how can we help out the racer that's out there that or the engine builder that's first getting into it that may want to buy our parts for the next 10 years because they're they're starting up a business so what we've tried to do is to educate the racer and this is a two-page article that was in speedway illustrated in october basically taking a lot of the information that you saw right there um, and compiling it into a four-page article that circle track racers who get that magazine can read, look at, and try to educate a little bit more about what might occur in their engine failure. That it's just not always that the piston isn't good enough, that there are that there is a reason why behind this and what has occurred. So a lot of that is very important to us. Yes, right now, uh, a lot of our staff are working with professional race teams on trying to get ready for the next season and whatever endeavor that they're going into. Uh, but we also want to put as much knowledge as we can into the enthusiast hands that's out there to help them have a great time at the racetrack, understand what's going on with their application, whether it be circle track racing, drag racing, time attack, hot rodding, whatever it might be. You know, I, th I think the article is fantastic, especially in illustrating what can happen and why. Um, how about getting ahead of it? You, you know, you mentioned all the people that you have and the resources that you have. You know, if I'm doing a build for whatever my specific thing is, uh, you know, are, are the phones open to be able to call up and say, hey, here's what I'm looking at doing. What do you recommend? Correct. Yeah. So, yes, we are available. Uh, our sales uh, team is here Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, you can call us at 888-255-1942. We can also be reached online at mollymotorsports.com. Uh, you can type in Molly into Google or Molly Motorsport into Google. We come right up. Uh, there's contact information at the bottom of the page, whether it be for sales or for tech or just regular customer service. And I really think that that's probably the most important part that I can stress uh, in the post-pandemic world to have is really good customer service. Because more than ever, uh, you have individuals that are, you know, buying parts from, you know, it could be Summit Racing or JEGS or another distributor, and they've got questions, and they want to be, they want to get the right answers. And, you know, they've gone to that forum and they've typed in their question and they received, you know, twenty different answers, and they're not quite comfortable with what they're reading there. So, you know, we are here, and you know, anybody that wants to discuss with us the situation that they're going through, they have the question, we get. I don't know how many calls a day, a lot, but it's always a, gosh, thank you for picking up the phone and talking to me, you know, and going through that. Um, but I will tell you on the other side of it, it's not always about, you know, a piston failure. Um, we do have a piston and ring evaluation for improvement. And this is a big block Chevy elite sportsman drag series piston set. And the gentleman who had this, he emailed us and said, hey, I love your product. They're working great. 
really enjoying what came out of it. Um, and I'd like to get another set and, you know, just set in a quick note over to Eric Rilio about how well it's doing. And Eric made the point to me, he goes, get them back, get them over here. And I said, okay. You know, he goes, you know, how many times do we have the opportunity to sit down and take a look at, you know, what is going right? You know, most times guys have them in their, in their motor and everything's just fine. And we're doing well. Here's an, here's an opportunity uh, with the big block sportsman, big block Chevy sportsman uh, series pistons that we had out, had come out probably about you know, four years ago and really take a look at them and see what's going on with them. Um, and in this instance here, we received them, we looked at it, had a little bit of advice, you know, after doing a hardness test, uh, looking at it and just gave some simple recommendations on it. And, you know, the gentleman's got it in his Nova and, you know, uh, the young man is Michael Koonsman, uh, who owns a, a sales uh, company called Koonsman and Associates, who reps a lot of different uh, brands, uh, including ours, to a lot of different WDs. And at 80 years old, he uh, won the Motor City Muscle Challenge this past year. And it was, you know, through going through this process of saying, hey, these pistons look good, sending them into us, evaluating them, and then saying, Michael, you could, everything looks good, but, you know, just consider this you know, and then finishing out the rest of the season with an, another set um, that he had. And there you go. And it's just, that is the perfect success story of what a lot of it's really about. I mean, everybody looks at piston failures and yes, we do have that occur, but there's also a lot of times where working with professional teams that we're getting pistons back in for a simple checkup um, and making sure that we're on the right track, that we're always improving and that we're going down the right road with everything. So um, I wanted to make that point because I think a lot of times people think we just have a lot of failures that are coming in when it, actually it's not true. Uh, what we do have a majority of the time is situations like this where things are going right and we just want to check it and make sure it's correct. Um, but I'll just finish up real quick. You know, this is a small block Chevy uh, dish piston. And this is, you know, technology that's, you know, 50, 60 years old, and our engineers looked at it from all the stuff we're learning on the racing side and actually improved it, made it even better, and we came out with a new forging. Uh, we've had it uh, for two years now, and, you know, you look at the dark blue areas, and you see there, that's where, you know, we add a little bit more meat to it to, you know, just basically improve its overall performance. So it's not always about something that we're working with a, with a professional race team. It's something that could be, you know, something that enthusiasts are using, or in this case right here, you know, with on the left-hand side with USRA, you know, that's a sanctioning body that runs on dirt out here in the Midwest. And we made a, a piston for their sanctioning body specific to it. So that way they have something in line with their rule book and what they require. And on the right-hand side, you know, we're working with a lot of different elements that are out there, you know, whether it be with ETS or, you know, somebody like Tim Hall that's in Southeast Gassers or Nick Hoffman with his dirt racing, Von Gittin with Off-Road. So there's a lot of things out there that uh, that we work with um, and that we look at and we try to get it out there in the sense of what we call a power pack for that customer that can go buy it off the shelf. Joe, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, what a great education as well. We appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, you know, it's obvious why Molly has been around for so long and everything that you guys continue to do uh, in support of the motorsport industry. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, just jump in here and say it was really interesting to see all the people, all the years of experience behind your brand. And, it's uh, amazing. Yeah, when you really look at it and all that knowledge that they have.
Yeah. yeah, I've never seen that before. And I just want to personally thank you. You're one of the first suppliers that jumped on this business to business platform. So I want to thank you for that too. Yeah, it's been great. We really appreciate you guys putting this all together for the industry this week. And I hope the, the rest of the week continues to go well. Thank you very much, Joe. Registering on EPAR Trade is easy. To start, click on the Join for Free button on the homepage. First, search your company to see if it's already in our database. If you see your company on the list, click on it to select it. Then, choose Claim Company if you are one of the decision makers, an owner, marketing person, or main company contact. Or choose Join Company if you are an employee, and press Continue. If you couldn't find your company in our database, select Register a New Company. On the following page, fill out your name, email, phone number, job title, and choose a secure password. If you chose Register a New Company, you'll need to choose your business type. Select Supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose Racing Business if you're looking to source new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose Race Team if you own or are a member of a professional race team. Then, enter your company name. Please provide a website, Facebook page, or LinkedIn if you have one, and choose to either claim or join the company. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Finally, click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. An email will be sent to your inbox. Please confirm your email address and you will be approved shortly. Welcome to ePartrade.